welcome to the talk show for talkers on irishtalkers.com. Welcome, Toastmasters, would-be Toastmasters, listeners and friends. And our guest this week, as we promised yesterday, is a very, very special guest. This gentleman is the international speech contest winner of District 91 and will be representing District 91 in the World Championship of Public Speaking for 2021. Ben Sloan, it's an honour and a pleasure to have you on the show with us, sir. Thanks for having me, Ted. Good to be here. You are more than welcome. And District 71 is a very good neighbour of District 91. And this is how we met you, because you were doing very neighbourly duties for some of the clubs in our own district. But Ben, as a matter of interest, what club are you a member of? I'm a member of Casterbridge Speakers, which uh, there's no reason anyone would know where that is. It's on the south coast of Dorset, so the tropics of England, if you like. And um, you won't see that crop up on too many of the leaderboards simply because I think for the last eight or nine years, it's been London who's dominated the, the district historically. And so it's, it's nice to, to strike a blow for the little guy. But yeah, Castlebridge Speakers in Dorchester and Dorset. Castlebridge and, Speakers, uh, that's a nice name. Also, because yeah. I, I don't want to leave them out or they'll shout at me. It's uh, Hamwick Speakers as well in Southampton more recently. And very, very recently, I'm a new member of Pegasus Speakers um, as well. So you're in three clubs or? I am. So no, now that I think about that, actually, Pegasus is District 71. So there you go. It is Pegasus is District 71. You actually have nearly more clubs than, um, than, my, than Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> my, my easy speak, you, you wouldn't believe it. I think I'm up to about 11 now. You know, the clubs that crop up when you log in. Um, yes. Yeah. Plenty's yeah. still on there, of course. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be having a, an identity uh, conflict when you when you when you discover you're in so many clubs um, I, 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 th I think I will be by the end of this Ted yeah we'll have to watch we'll have to watch this space yeah and when did you become a Toastmaster Ben? That's a good question it was 2017 I came to my first meeting and I never really committed to it for a, a couple of years I was off traveling and uh, running my own business and a couple of other things and it was only in 2019, I kind of sat myself down. I said, right, I'm just going to commit to coming once a week and see what comes of it. And so far, so good. So, yeah, uh, four years, I guess that would make it total. But it's really only two, two and a half. I've been coming with any sort of degree of seriousness. So it's uh, surprising how far you can get with consistency. Those of us who have been in it now since the last century are saying to ourselves, would you listen to him? He's only in it four years and two years, seriously. <laughs> People are saying, oh, you've been in it for half a century and I've never even won my, my club contest. <laughs> Craig Valentine still makes me look bad, of course. He won the whole world championship the first time. And so I've, I've oh, lost yeah. my chance of, be, of, of doing that. But uh, uh, Well, there, there won't be many more people who will do that. You know, he's an exceptional, he's an exceptional human being and a fantastic public speaker and, and very generous with his tips and his tricks and his, his thoughts. And, uh, you know, very generous. He, shares a lot of his, um, how, he, how he goes about his public speaking with us. In actual fact, we met him at a District 71 conference about five or six years ago. Lovely character, lovely man. You, you'd, you'll enjoy him when he shakes your hand, when you could be walking off with that trophy in August. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will. 
it's 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 one of the things that all those past champions are always invited back. It's a pity that you won't be on the actual stage, but even to be on even to, to be on Zoom and to do it on Zoom, that has all new types of challenges. And it's one of the advantages I think that you and some of the younger contestants will have because you're also comfortable with this medium of this shoebox that we're in. You know, you'd, you you'd think so. Um, I think so. I mean, it's it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? Because it's it is just a different kind of game. And of course, with the world championship, uh, you can't go back and do it again. And so there yes. is this this kind of reservation, of course, about well, would I want to win it this year necessarily? Because then you lose out on the ability to do the the physical thing. Yeah. Um, of course, it's just you know, no one's going to go for it and think, right, I'm going to try and play second. I mean, chips <laughs> just kind of fall where they fall. But um, it's a, a different set of challenges because, of course, you can't engage the audience in the same way. And it is that rapport, which I would, I would say personally is probably one of my strengths as a speaker, is that being able to read the audience and also to project my voice. And you lose both of those things through a screen. So I think it's about making the most of the medium as well. You know, if you saw Mike Carr last year, he did a couple of creative things with the camera and the virtual stage that you yes. couldn't do in a physical meeting. And so it is just using it to your advantage for as long as this is the format, really. It, it, it is, yeah. And since all of us have become so comfortable now with this medium, it's important to see the kind of things that champions like yourselves, like you, are introducing us to. You're helping us to become better at the craft as well. And let's face it, that's what it is. It is a craft. And you're right. You're quite right, Ben, because you only get one opportunity to make a first impression. Absolutely. And I think coming back to just the, the creative things some people do with the medium, you know, I did a couple of things in my speech. I, I couldn't possibly have pulled off on a real stage. And, and yes, you know, good, good point. E yeah. Even in this, you did, I thought, clever, yeah. I, I, in, in this format, even in the comfort of my own home, the anxiety over whether all the tech stuff was going to work is, yeah, is something I'm not yeah, keen yeah. to repeat. That on a physical stage would have been too much. And so, you know, I think um, those of us who've like made the most of this format are going to look back and think do you know what i had that idea and i'm glad i did it while i could because not everything works on a physical stage so it's just no you're so right you're so right actually and i must say i applaud your creativity for some of the things that you did imply i don't know whether you want to reveal what those were or not but some of them were pointed out to me after because i was asking people how did he do this and how did he do that and that was really <laughs> what happened and then when it was pointed out to me he said that's pure genius that's pure genius that was brilliant but Ben, what brought you to Toastmasters? One of the analogies I've used before is if you imagine you're on the surface of a lake in a rowboat or whatever, and you can make out this big shape underneath the surface. Now, you can't see any of the finer details, but you know there's something there. It, it was a little bit of that, really. I mean, it was a product of intuition and just feeling, look, I don't know what's going to come of this, but it's probably going to be pretty good. In, in terms of my personal story... As a kid, I remember being picked from about 300 students to play the lead in the school play. And I was six at the time and I never did anything with it. Never any of the drama or the presenting or anything. I went through a period of being very, very shy as a teenager. Our parents divorced and we moved house and all the rest of it. And that was, was tough. And so I got to about 21, 22 and thought, you know what? I should probably have done something with that. You know, whatever it was that my teachers saw in me at six years old, maybe there's still some of that there. It's just curiosity, but I think the other point is that it's such an eminently transferable skill. 
you will never suffer from having developed it. And so you, you could be like a, a chess champion, for instance, and that's all well and good, but that expertise is confined to the domain of chess or whatever it is, whatever your poison is. Whereas with public speaking, if you get good at this stuff, you can hop onto you know something like this, a podcast or an interview, and you have that confidence that you're going to come across relatively well. I wish I hope I do, or I'm going to it's going to look a bit silly. But oh yes, you I do. mean you, you, yeah, you wouldn't have been a champion otherwise. You certainly do, and that's a very interesting answer because I've asked people, and this is what I feel myself: do do we choose to become Toastmasters, or do Toastmasters choose us? That's uh, that's a table topics right there. I think I mean, you need a lot more <laughs> than two minutes to answer. Philosophical. It. Yeah, it is a philosophical one, isn't it? Do we choose Toastmasters? I mean, I do. I do see a disproportionate number of introverted people doing really, really well at the top levels, and maybe that's more of the the, the first one. You choosing Toastmasters. I think it's because if you're extroverted and you've grown up being at ease around people in front of a crowd, you haven't got the same incentive to develop that with the same degree of conscientiousness that an introvert would. And, you know, I've got my extroverted side to me, but fundamentally I need my space. My other half would tell you if she could hear this. I need my, my man cave and my time away from the world. And I think if you are more on the introverted side of things, it gives you a, a need to develop it more deliberately than you might if you're more extroverted. And so I think in terms of people who choose Toastmasters, like none of us would be here if we were the finished product. Of course, none of us are. Yeah. I think perhaps it's yeah. it's more the case that we choose Toastmasters, but there you go. If that was a table topic, so I'd be quite happy with that answer there. So there you well go. Well done. Excellent. And what has been the greatest benefit to you? Oh, God, that's, that's another table topics one, isn't it? Greatest benefit. And I do have an answer to this. I'm just thinking about how to articulate it, actually. I would say it's taught me a very effective framework for navigating the world. And by that, I mean, uh, probably 90% of what got me through district was being aware that I don't have all the answers. I'm just one man. There are lots and lots of men and women out there with a lot more good answers than me. And it was learning to draw on the expertise of other people. And you touched on Craig Valentine earlier. It is that the generosity of the former champions with their thoughts that kind of forms the the podium that the rest of us stand on so to speak and so I'd say it was acknowledging first of all there's a lot that I got wrong with that speech especially the area and and division versions I don't know how they got through quite frankly it's taught me to look to other people who are more credible than me for feedback I've started doing that a little bit with business as well and a couple of you know like uh, athletic events and a couple of other sort of domains of achievement and so I'd say it's taught me a way of going through the world that really, really works because you're never going to have all the answers by yourself. And if anything, that's been the most transferable benefit, probably. Well done. That's a, that's a fantastic answer. And I agree 100% with you. And what has been your biggest Toastmasters challenge today? Oh, I hate to go with the obvious thing. I mean, <laughs> I feel <laughs> pressure to say something other than the contest. I mean, I think walking through the door is the, the biggest challenge that all of us face. And so 90% of the battle is won um, before anyone even turns up. And so <laughs> as much as the, the, the contest is like the, the glamorous version of it, but I'd say the biggest challenge everyone faces, and it's true whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, however you're wired, is making the decision to do this strange thing with this strange bunch of people that you've never done before, totally uncharted territory. I would say... Uh, in the grand scheme of all of our journeys, that's probably more pivotal than the contest itself. 
That that's brilliant. It reminds me of Dan and Jay Hector actually when he was asking. Oh, do you know what I was thinking of him? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was brilliant that you were. Yeah, he said I entered the room, there were strange people with strange, strange ideas. Okay. <laughs> brilliant. At the first meeting, they told me to do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. They asked me to do something like like a tabletop. Yeah. yeah. So if you could, what would you change about Toastmasters? If you if you if anything. I tell you what I would change, Ted. I think we emphasize the value of feedback. And that's important. It's right that we do that. Feedback evaluations, whatever you want to call them. But I think the blind spot we suffer is how to take feedback on board. Because implicit in this thing of, oh, listen to feedback, is that you should weight all feedback equally. And nothing could be further from the truth. Frankly, some of the worst feedback I ever got was, I think it's from someone who won the districts or at least the division for an evaluation contest. Of course, not going to name any names, but it was some of the least practical feedback I ever had in my life. And the reason is because you have to take account of where people are coming from when giving you feedback. Now, if you take that case, right, someone in an evaluation contest, they have a personal interest in saying something that sounds clever. And God bless them. That's that's what they have to do in yeah, the contest. Yeah. But you really have to, to distinguish the, the people who are in it for them versus the people who are in it because they're trying to give you something. And so this is also about the idea of kind of weighting people's credibility. You know, if if Steve the plumber down the pub has an opinion on my speech, then unless unless Steve the plumber is like a champion speaker, I'm probably not going to give that opinion a whole lot of weight. Whereas if Mark Hunter, for instance, you know, 2009 world champion has an opinion, there's a very strong case for taking that feedback on board. I think finally, there's a lot to be said for asking several highly credible people, so maybe several world champions, if all three of them, or however many of them, say the same thing, you know there's something there. Whether or not you disagree with it on the most profound possible level, in that case, you want to put your own opinion aside and think these people are more credible than me. Coming back to the original thing, but in terms of what I would change about Toastmasters, just a a little bit more of that emphasis on the art of taking feedback on board, I would say. Well done, well done. And the one bit of feedback I'd like to give you now is that if Steve the Plumber is listening, I think your leaky tap <laughs> will have to Love be tested by Mark Hunter. No, no disrespect, Steve. No, <laughs> Good man. So what keeps you coming back to Toastmasters then, Ben? I think the best answer to that is we want to heard from a, a guy who was a psychiatrist. And what he said is that the, <clears throat> I think something Victor Frankl touched on as well in Man's Search for Meaning, mm. which is that we have this idea of, of where we all want to get. All of us have goals, the proverbial top of the mountain. I think a common human fallacy is the idea that everything's going to fall into place when we get there. Whereas if you look at the workings of the human brain, what creates a sense of meaning, it's much more accurate to say that it's the, those slow incremental signs that we're moving towards a goal uh, so this is, you know, the cliche, it's the, the journey, not the destination. That's a little bit of the science to that. So I would say what keeps me coming back is it's those, those slow incremental improvements, you know. It's knowing that every time I get up to speak, I do a slightly better job than I did before. And I think that's true of everyone. But it, it would definitely be boring if we, we all won the world championship the first time around. And can't, can't all be Craig Valentine, of course, you know. Yeah, well done. It's just having a constant challenge to pit yourself against. That's my best yeah, well, and, and, and what I would like to say to that, Ben, is Mark Twain said that the, the two most important days in your life, number one, the day you're born, and number two, the day you discover why. Quite, couldn't have said it better myself. He'd have made a good Toastmaster, wouldn't he, old Mark Twain? Well done. Well done. And I, we have discovered a lot of your why today. I think you're very articulate. 
you're a fantastic Toastmaster. And from the from the talk show for talkers, we wish you the very, very best of luck in the international championship. And we'll we'll be waving flags for you, Ben. We wish you the very best of luck. Thank you for being a wonderful guest. Uh, thank you, Ted. Absolute pleasure. The Talk Show for Talkers is published every week in sections at 4pm every Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Go to our website irishtalkers.com for more information.